Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. Episode 348 begins right now. I'm Ryan Trout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. It is May 6th, he says, as he looks down at the document, just in case in case you actually keep your calendar based on when we do shows, because I've realized I didn't say it at the beginning of the episode. Welcome to everybody uh, to the podcast. If you're joining us live, uh, welcome there. You know, all the normal crap that goes on with there. Uh, we do record the show live on the internet. Of course, you always record the show live. Yes. But we also broadcast it while we record it. Yes. I guess that's the crucial. We are live right now. Well... Alive. We're always live. That's true. But we're also broadcasting live as well. If you go to PCPro.com slash live, you can uh, uh, watch the stream as we record it. If you need a gentle reminder, if you need a little email nudge to point you in the direction of our live page when we're about to do live streams, you can go to PCPro.com slash subscribe. And uh, you'll get this little form here uh, where you can fill out your name, as I have already done, Ryan Shrout. And uh, send out your email address and uh, hit submit, and boom, you're on our mailing list. Boom. It's just that easy. And that's all it's for. That's all it's for. We only send you emails when we do live streams. Uh, we do not sell your email to people well, or I mean, other silly no. stuff. That we admit to. Right, right. I mean, like I, like I always say at this point, Josh would like to do it that way. Josh only fondles your email for a couple minutes. Yeah. Then we take it away from him. So, that's okay, but Alan's an animatronic vice. He's not live. Okay. Never has been. Look at that face. Look at that pallor. Look at that square jaw that only look acts like head draw. If to be to be to be fair, <laughs> if we were gonna make a robot, wouldn't we make it better looking? Probably. That's just to fool people. Somebody said I looked like a uh, stamper from House of Cards, though. I have never seen that show in my life. Oh, you're behind. You're so behind. I'm not behind. I'm busy okay <laughs> those are very different things uh so that that's how you can join us uh, on the live stream sorry i'm kind of going in through here and deleting some things that i don't know why deleting people's emails yeah all those people who just signed up i'm actively deleting you all oh, okay. right now actually i don't know why it bothers me if people know how many characters my password is <laughs> but it i don't know why but that annoys me so now i wanted to remove it so I did. Are you sure you want to stream your password? Just the number of characters. And I don't even think I use LastPass, so Oh, it's autofilling is that It's autofilling. That's okay. that's that's why it's doing that. Um so uh, while we tell you about what's live going on, we have um some giveaways for you as well that I feel like we're we're just constantly giving crap away. First up, uh we're partnering with our good buddies over at Asus celebrating their 20th anniversary of making graphics cards, discrete add-in graphics cards. Uh and we're giving away kind of a a very limited edition uh, GTX 980. So, uh you can see it here. This look at that. That's a sweet ass looking box for a video card. Yeah, it is. Right there. And uh, it's incredibly overclocked. Base of 1317 and a boost of 1431. That is pretty wow. cool. Those are megahertz, by the way. Uh, it has a memory defroster. It has a safe mode VBOS. Look at, look at how shiny it is. It's so shiny. It's pretty and nice gold. looking card. Is uh, that cooler take like two and a half slots? Is that what's Yeah, probably. All right. um, if I'm guessing, I'm going to say yes. Uh, they're only making 200 of these for North America. Oof. And we have one to give away to PC Perspective viewers, readers, and listeners. So if you go to PCPro.com, look for the title post about celebrating Asus's 20th anniversary. And all you have to do to enter 
is you have to – this one requires you to sign up for the ASUS PCDIY mailing list. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and then you leave a comment on the post and you can kind of – you can enter in these additional ways as well using the Gleam IO kind of uh, methodology that we're adopting here because it makes my life so much easier. You know, you get a bonus entry if you're a YouTube subscriber, if you uh, visit us on Facebook, if you follow us on Twitter, et cetera. You don't have to do all of those things. You're just increasing you, your chances. You just increase your chances if you do. So you can enter if you don't want to do any of that other crap. Yeah. Uh, or this one is important too. If you come back every day, you can enter once extra per day. Wow. And when you go back, this is nine days left. So you can get nine more entries that way. That's pretty well, sweet. Just by coming back. And if that's not enough, we've also partnered with our friends at Intel to give away two Intel 750 series SSDs, 400 gig variants, add in cards. Um, this is probably our favorite SSD currently available today. Yep. It is PCI Express NVMe. means it's super fast. It's an add-in card. It's bootable if you have the right platform for it. X99, Z97. Yeah. Uh, it's currently supported. Uh, this also has a fairly in- easy entry method. Uh, you just got to fill out this. All There's eight ways to enter this one. You can... You can read Alan's review of the 750 for a point. You can answer a question about what the rated read speed is. Follow us on Twitter. Go to Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, SoundCloud, and again, a daily entry. And look at this, Alan. What's that? There's 27 days 27 more 27 entries. entries just by coming back to that page Holy every day. Crap. And we're like, gonna, we have two of those to give away. It's going to be a lot of people like, time to make the donuts. Click. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we made the donuts. Uh, so this one is uh, sponsored by Intel. and We thank them for their support of this one. Uh, and you'll see. You know, Those are pretty sweet SSDs. Yeah. It's giving away two of those. Yeah. That would be a pretty nice addition to your system. Bow show. Uh, and I guess we'll transition into the actual crap that happened in the last week. All starting right. with... A brief mention here of a story that um, was more like a video, not really a story that we published on installing Windows 2 said Intel SSD 750 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. series SSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Solid state drive SSD SSD. That, that, yeah. Windows Phone 7 7, Phone Windows 7. Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. Uh, so, as it turns out, if sure you, you get one of these SSD. SSDs, whether or not you buy one or win one, yep. Uh, and I can tell you, based on our Amazon sales, several people have been buying the Intel SSD 750 series SSDs. Cool. 750 SSDs. Uh, Is that an SSD? It's a solid state drive, not a disk. Okay. What did we decide it was? I don't know. Disks Disk. are round, so it's a drive. It's either one. I don't. I don't know. Uh, the installation process for it is really dead simple. If you have, if you're installing Windows 8.1, there's a driver already pre-built into the OS, yep. so that it just recognizes an NVMe device. Uh, if if you're installing Windows 7 or Windows 8, I don't know why you would do that, but uh, you just basically install the driver like you hit the have disk button and you like install what you used to have INF. to do for like new motherboard SATA controllers back yep. in the day. Same process, RAID controllers, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, you do that and then. You get uh, you just basically you get the drive and you install Windows to it and you go and you're you're off and run into the races there. Yeah. Um, and then once you're well, if you're installing to eight point one though, you should still install the Intel driver. Once you you should install the Intel driver for all you, platforms, right? Well, I mean, once you get into Windows. Yeah, 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 point, yeah, yeah, right. Um, because you actually do get better performance out of the Intel specific driver versus the one that's built in with eight point one. Gotcha. So the, the, it gives you the capability to install and up and run and get yeah, up and Yeah, you can get there, but, but you're not going to get the max performance the, out of the it. The best performance comes with that driver. Mm-hmm. So that's super easy if, you, if you're curious about that. Maybe if you win one of these drives from us, 
Yeah, you can yeah. come back to that page and reference. Yeah. You do also that. have to need to have like one of those systems that can actually boot off of it. You do. Or you can, if, if you don't, you could use it as an add-in. Sure. We can just make it a secondary drive, for example. Um, what else happened? Build 2015 happened, and we're a hardware podcast. We're not going to talk about a whole bunch of the software-e side of things that happened, but directly relatable to us is kind of the additional information that came out um, to DX12. Ken seems very concerned. Uh, we're de-dusting our own site. We are? Yeah. Why are we doing that? Because we talked about a bunch of contests. Oh, yep. oh, that's it. Yeah. They're over. Awesome. No more contest entries. No more website. Yeah, it happens. What are you going to do? Crash boom. Um, so what? What is interesting about this is they kind of revealed the last major feature of DirectX 12, uh, and Scott wrote this up for us, as he tends to do on this uh, these types of things. Uh, they talked about multi adapter. Yeah. Now, it sounds fantastic. We're talking about multiple GPUs, but not, in this case, it's just multiple processing things. This is not, really, not in the terms of Crossfire or... Well, kind of. Uh, it's kind of like that, right? So there are different iterations of, uh, of what multi-adapter is. You have... What did he call them? Um, there are two different blanking. names. No, there was implicit, yep. explicit, and uh, I'm blanking on the first one now. Um, anybody, feel free to jump in. I don't know. I, I thought those were the only two. I don't know. No explicit linked and explicit unlinked. Oh. oh, okay. That's what you're thinking of. So explicit linked is the equivalent of SLI and Crossfire today. It is driver dependent. Mm-hmm. The software depends on the driver to kind of handle what frames go where, to what GPU at what time, and yep. when they get rendered. Um, explicit unlinked is you don't have uh, an SLI or Crossfire software system in. Uh, like in place to kind of handle everything. Okay. It's up to the game engine to handle it, but it is implied that you are uh, working with similar performance level of GPUs. Okay. So you can assume that if you send off two queues to two different products that exist, that yeah. they're going to finish at the same time or okay. very close to of, uh, very close to that. The implicit multi adapter is. The when you don't know what the performance of those items are, right? And, and what's interesting about this is, in theory, you get the capability to run multi-vendor GPUs, multi-generation GPUs, yeah, yeah. an APU plus a discrete GPU without having to depend on AMD Crossfire or something like that, right? Um, you get the potential of some more capability there. Do I really believe that you're going to be able to get a GTX 980 and an R9 290X, and they're they're going to run perfectly well together, and you're going to get this a, a fantastic scaling capability of it. I really don't believe that. Yeah, um, are, you, are you kidding me? Because Lucid Logics is <laughs> a semi fabulous third party conductor. Uh, what was that line? Lucid is a fabulous semiconductor company. Yeah, there you go. Yes, that's, there you go. that's the line. <laughs> I didn't edit that yeah. video enough. <laughs> uh, so it, it's an interesting idea, and it, I wonder how much of it will apply to graphics and gaming and how much of it will apply to compute capability. Probably more towards uh, compute. Scott seems to think that it could go both both directions, right? It, it could actually be useful for you know having a separate GPU that handles physics without – and I say physics, P-H-Y-S-I-C-S, right? Not phys X, right? But – the, the, uh, a game engine could do that in a 
I, I don't want to use the word explicit way because it's implicit multi-adapter, but <laughs> you know, it's doing it specifically because it wants to do that, not that it's depending on some NVIDIA or AMD software package to, yeah. to make it happen. So, but I think it might take a few generations of game engines to them, for them to start you know, being able to handle that just agnostic and not right. really care, right? Because already, you already have systems in place that have been kind of tuned for a while now right. that are pretty good at what they do. Right. So you wouldn't want to just like, ah, oh, just drop that old stuff and just move towards no. And, yeah. No, and and they they did some demonstrations here and they, they talk about um like for example, Unreal Engine 4's elemental single versus multi adapter timeline, how it works and, and kind of what how how the workload gets divided up and stuff like that. So it's it's they're spending much more time on this than I expected them to. Like they seem much more involved in Microsoft. I mean, yeah. in, in the creation of this idea, um, they did talk about um, that Square Enix demo that we talked about. I think we talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Was using four Titan X's, but it was using this style of, of multi adapter in there as well. But you know, there, there's still more to learn. But that, I mean, they you can go look through the store. They talk about, uh, especially in the slides and in, and in Scott's descriptions, what the difference between explicit multi-adapter, um, linked, unlinked, and then implicit multi-adapter really is. Uh, I will say Scott points out in here that he thinks this is kind of the final reveal of the last major feature of DirectX 12, and I think he's right. But there are still some um, small bits and pieces to figure out about the X12. Uh, that we won't know until it's final, I guess. It's a really interesting discussion because there's going to be different tiers of support for different features. For different like GPUs. Right. And, stuff. and yeah. so the, the debate will be as we get closer to Windows 10's releases is whose GPUs, AMD or NVIDIA, uh, support DirectX 12 completely. And I, I, okay. I'm... Based on what I'm seeing kind of behind the scenes, it's already uh, Company A seeing, says theirs uh, is the only one that supports it completely, and Company N is, says theirs. Oh, did that, did that not make uh, that really that, anonymous? That slip? And Company N already thinks that theirs is the only one that supports it completely, right? Like I, I'm, I'm getting that feedback kind of already a little uh, bit. Okay. Um, so it will be interesting how that comes out. What the problem is that we don't have yet is we haven't had Microsoft kind of direct – that discussion at all is the concern like hardware level support mm-hmm. for a hundred percent of mm-hmm. okay so it's not something that they could just tweak a driver update no it's hardware level support at a tiered level so like you could support feature a at tier level one two or three which means what different implementations of it right like oh, whether that be okay. performance differences implementation yeah. wise or or specific you know maybe uh, uh different uh, precision levels yeah. of that feature or something, and, and it will. I, I, what I think needs to happen is I think Microsoft will eventually have to come in and say, "Here's the defined 12.1. Here's the defined 12.0 tier three, 12.1 tier three, right, etc." Now GPU guys, you go fight about it because right now they're kind of <laughs> taking a very hands-off approach because they don't want to confuse the messaging about how awesome DirectX 12 is. They don't want to get into the complicated natures like, "Well, we already said every GPU supports DX12." But, but kind of, you know, they support it. Let's like a subset, not a superset. They might just not keep not saying anything. They need to say something. Otherwise, it will be AMD's word against Nvidia's word against Intel's word against Qualcomm's word. Uh, you know, and on down and the that's line. That's not how the market works at all right now. <laughs> well, 
It's true. It, but it is confusing. I mean, looking at it with the unreleased cards that we've got coming up, so you were DOXX12 compliant, but just how compliant? Does it fit in just a little bit, or does it fit in the whole way? Yeah, and you got to remember that know. DirectX 12 support does not necessarily mean DirectX 12 feature support. Yeah. Supporting DirectX 12 and the capability to take advantage of uh, lower CPU overhead and stuff like that yeah. will be able will be built into not built into the GPUs, but it will be supported on all these kind of current gen GPUs. But in terms of new features, that will be where the big confusion starts to creep in. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. What was the uh, what was the who who accidentally linked leaked that Microsoft was going to release it in July? Was it AMD? Did they talk about that? Oh, like on one of their conference yeah, calls yeah, the conference or something? Call on, on they, on somebody, something. Yeah, I think Doctor. I think Lisa Sue said. Yeah. Oh, you know, when Windows 10 comes out in July, we expect a refresh of this and this and this. People are like, wait, what? July? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so we'll probably know more before the end of the summer. It sounds like. Uh, let's talk about quick quickly, I guess, on this Fizon roundup that you posted up earlier today. Yep. This is uh, Kingston HyperX Savage versus Patriot Ignite versus Corsair Neutron XT. The Corsair SSD we've already seen back in November. It was the first, I think, Fizon uh, controller. Fizon SSD SSD controller. Yep. Uh, so the Kingston and the Patriot are a little bit new. What what stands out about these, if uh, if anything, really? Uh, they're pretty much the same as the Neutron as Corsair. But they're look at I like I will say, based the, solely on this photo, yeah, the Kingston one looks awesome. The Kingston one looks badass. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like clearly, this this Patriot one is the exact same shell as the Corsair <laughs> with a different sticker. <laughs> Basically, this one it's got some angles. It's got the word "savage" printed on it. It's, it's also it's, the most yeah. expensive. But we gotta pay for that yeah, you style, pay for that son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you mashed it up with a little HyperX RAM. Come on, you're styling. I mean, it does pretty much like match their kind of little, you know, yeah. design stuff. And I guess if you're doing a system build and you're gonna have everything visible in like a clear case or a skeleton case or whatever, then sure. Uh, but you really have skeleton to be just going case. for what that specific. I want this power supply to be this color, and I well, want end case. You know. It's a skeleton case. So specification wise, though, you expect this to be pretty much all the same. They're they're all within like ten megabytes a second either way. You know, on, on sweet just on like the specs. SSDs, bro, and, and like within like you know a few thousand IOPS either way, according to the specs <laughs> and everything, right? Um, they're they're all pretty close to each other. There's big differences in what capacities are available in the different models, right? Okay. Like Kingston is all four capacities, all the way like you know. 120 all the way up to like 960. Uh, the Neutron drops the lowest. They don't have a 120. And then uh, Patriot drops the 240. Huh. So Patriot okay. only goes 480, 960. They're just going for like bulk, you know, flash memory. Yeah. Right? And I would say if the prices are right, that makes sense. Well, it actually kind of tracks because like then the Patriot or the, um, yeah, the Patriot drives end up being the cheapest. As mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. right? Okay. They're not going for this nice, flashy looking shell, and what? they're not doing any of that other stuff. Doing they're just wrong, like, man. they're going like as bare bones cheap as they could possibly make sure. this thing from the looks of it. Yeah. Um, which is good because I think they, uh, I think it was like around 40 cents a gig, wasn't it? Uh, let me look. Yeah, 40 cents a gig for both capacities of the Ignite. It's pretty good. Which is good. It's not it's fantastic. A, well, let's consider that with the cheapest. Of either of both of the others is the, the 960 gig the XT, the, the Corsair Neutron XT, which is 56 cents a gig. That's the cheapest of the other guys. Quickly tell me, what's the performance on these? Is it just like, uh, I could max out SATA and that's fine? It's not 
it maxes out sequential reads and writes. Okay. Saturates the bus. Pretty much any SATA SSD controller can do that these days. Yeah. Uh, it does go down the file copy test, which is again like a kind of a queued like bulk transfer read and write at the same time. Like say you are moving fifty thousand files between drives. from the drive to the drive. Well, it's between drives. Actually, that it might not do that well if they were like really small files for this case because. Uh, hmm. This SSD, if you go to the iometer, like the random results, um, random results page, mm-hmm. uh, it really doesn't like mixed workloads, like seventy thirty read write kind of workloads where you're. Which one's that? File, web, anything but the web, basically is like a mixed workload. Gotcha. And you'll notice the white line, the kind of like light green, and the orange. These liner. three, right they're here. all all three of them are kind of like yeah, not great yeah right because there's plenty of other competing drives that also you know like the evo for example beating up that sandisk down here yeah that we included sandisk, <laughs> for results. sandisk. Uh, i don't have the full i don't have the full review up yet of that guy but i had the tests done so i included the results um sandisk wasn't looking that great either but if those results weren't there that like all three of those flies on controlled ssds would be the bottom of the pack mm. you know compared to things like 850 evo and like you know, yeah. just anything else that I included, basically. I tried to do kind of a good a good spread. Um, yeah, so it just does not like mixed workloads. Okay. Um, but when it comes to just, uh, like, our fall copy test, even though it's reading and writing simultaneously, like, to the same drive, right? Windows is still, it does some reads, fills up a cache, then it does some writes. So it's not necessarily gotcha. mixed as far as the SSD goes, right? It's just ho- it's just read real quick, then write real quick, right. then go back to reading. It's not doing them simultaneously, really, right? Um, and it did great there. It was actually like I think that's the fastest result we saw hmm. was the the Kingston HyperX Savage in the fall copy test. Right. It was like quick, quicker than anything else, except for like the largest uh, file size, or no, the thousand of the one meg files, and I think the 850 Pro beat it. On that one, you know, that one test, right? Um, yeah, so it's kind of good at some things, kind of not so good at some other things. And the conclusion, I basically said, you know, if you, if you could find one for a low cost, I would say probably good as like a second SSD if you're going to put a bunch of games on it or just basically something where you're not trying to do reads and writes simultaneously. Right? Right. Like a Windows install, you like your C drive, it's probably going to see writes and reads happening at the same time. You know, even if you're trying to write likely. something to it, you know, <laughs> while you're writing something to it or while you're downloading from Steam or whatnot, Windows is trying to read other things at the same time with a separate thread. This wouldn't do great okay. in that kind of a workload. Right? Mm. Yeah, so it is what it is. It's kind of like a middle of the road. But if SSD. you want the coolest looking, uh, that, this SATA probably is SSD. the coolest looking SATA SSD. Yeah. Probably is. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have UV little, you know, Intel little thing like skull a, yeah no, no the skull the skull is not uv i thought it was no the skull is black and white on that one oh. yeah but if you use uh sebastian's case it's going to be hidden behind the motherboard uh, that's t- <laughs> you can sit on mirrors <laughs> don't use that case yeah well, yeah <laughs> a complex array of mirrors just put your case window on the other side yeah or just uh, punch yeah. a hole in it <laughs> and then shine a flashlight at it all just, day. It was just like a like a big neural. And Sebastian's halfway written his next review for us. I think. Yes. Yeah. it's already there. All right, let's talk about AMD a little bit here. They uh, had their 2015 Analyst Day 
today, uh, which I didn't realize until I guess towards the end of that, they said they mentioned they hadn't done an analyst tech day since 2012. 2012. I didn't think you were allowed to not do an analyst day. I guess as long as you do a call every year, you're fine. I think the SEC just requires like some sort of conference thing. I'm sure they could just get away with earnings calls if they really wanted to. Um, so we'll talk about a couple of things. The first thing we want to mention is they kind of they didn't they didn't talk very specifically about a new GPU, but they did kind of officially come out and say, "Hey, we're going to have a new GPU. It's going to be out in the next few weeks at a future industry event." Okay. Uh, and, they, and they talked about so let's uh, connect technologies those around what? it, right? So what's the next event that's coming? What's well, we'll talk about that a in couple. the next story. Oh, okay. If you if you hear what I'm saying, right. uh, so. Here's what they said about it, right? So uh, the next-gen AMD Radeon graphics, they didn't even give it a name, uh, that it will be coming this quarter. So that's Q2, right? It kind of ends at the end of June. Right. Right. Uh, first with high bandwidth memory, DirectX 12, Liquid VR, accelerating features, superior 4K gaming, and AMD FreeSync support. Right. So let me, let's, let's label this all right. High bandwidth memory, we'll talk about it in a second. That's the that's the cool new feature we know about thus far. DirectX 12, yeah, of course. Liquid VR accelerating features, it, it better have. That's, you just announced all that stuff. <laughs> Superior 4K gameplay, that's that's not a definitive statement in any capability, right? They're just saying we'll be good at 4K. Okay. Good. And then AMD FreeSync support. Yes, I hope so too. Right? Like the, yes. That okay, would be kind of silly if it didn't have FreeSync support. It would be beyond silly. It would be suicidal it's true. Um, <laughs> at this point yeah they also announced the launch of the new m300 series of graphics cards or graphics for notebooks and they kind of I, they didn't really say it during the press call but they also if you go to their webpage, you can see the oem versions of the r9 300 series okay like the 380 370 360 those types of things sure. here's the secret they're all cards we've already had Every single one. Yeah. Every single one. The R9 380 is the R9 285. Is that right, Josh? Correct. So they're just re- rebranding. They're just the rebranding whole... everything. Yep. Now, why? The best part yeah. is the R9 370, which is the R9 270. So you don't get free sync. You don't get true audio. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Let yeah. me let me ask you a question. Do you think? Is it possible that maybe this is they're, – they're launching this. This is listed under OEM parts, like things that will come in pre-installed systems. Okay. That maybe when they launch Fiji, this part that has HBM, that they will call that a 400 series and they'll maybe have a 480 and a 470 and a 460 that is maybe not a rebrand? Well, sure, but that doesn't explain why they're doing this with – well, so in the mobile space, it's very common to just rebrand a GPU and resell it because people like HP and Dell, when they go out to market a new machine, they want to be able to show that it has a higher number a than the number. previous one. Oh. So that's a very common mobile practice. Okay. Say again? Yeah, they do that, and they do that every year. They, if they don't have that, they get, they get a little itchy. They, they just start writing their own press releases. You know, they, they'll figure out a way to do it. And so it's possible that on the discrete side, AMD is kind of maybe just doing that as well, so, so this, knowing that the 400 series was coming out. So as far as potential confusion goes, this will only apply to OEM parts? Mm. Or are you going to see these I mean, in theory, but sale? OEM parts kind of always find their way into the channel eventually. Now, keep in mind, NVIDIA did this with the 800s. Okay. Right? There were 800 series parts that were only in mobile mm-hmm. and OEM. What's that? And the 300. <clears throat> 
Uh, yeah, you're right, because yeah, they went from the 280 right. to the 480 yeah. for uh, you know enthusiasts. Okay, so this is something that then everybody kind of does every yeah, so, every, every once in now a while. And then, then. The, the problem AMD has is that they've done this like nine times. It feels like for oh. this part, this was originally uh, 7,000 series, right? Right. For a long time. You're talking time. like the same chip, basically. The same yeah, chip. Yes. Same, yep. pro- same architecture. Yes. And stuff. The 270, okay. what was that before, Josh? The 7950? No, it was the 7870 and 7850. Okay. Yeah. And those were new then? They were new then. Back in and the then they got the 270. And then it changed into? Now, went into the 270, uh-huh. and now the 370. So they've rebranded it twice. <clears throat> yeah. They have. The same hardware. It's what was it, the 285 was part. the new one from Lasco? Uh, What's that? 285 was the last new yep. GPU, right? It was a Tonga. Yeah. So, yeah, but the uh, the the R nine or is it R seven two sixty? R seven two sixty. It's R seven. Right? Yeah, R seven two sixty. Yeah, that's that's Bonaire. So it's it's got uh, it's got a bunch of the extra stuff on it. It does. I think super free sync support, yep. true audio. Yep. I think the 285 has that too, right? Yes, it does. Okay. It's well, it's the latest chip. It's right. it's later than Hawaii. It is. It is newer da, da, than Hawaii, da, da, but not da. faster, better. Uh, so yeah. I, I will give I will give AMD the benefit of the doubt here and say that chances are that that the, they're not going to come out with a 390x that with this HBM they haven't called it that, but they're not going to come out with a 390x and the next card down will be the 380 that is actually a 270 or 285, right? Yeah. I'm just going to assume that they're better than that. That in fact, actually, what's going to happen is we're going to see the 490x. And 490 based on some new GPU, okay. and then three or then like 480 will be, you know, last Hawaii. year's Hawaii moved up. That's that's got to happen. This would be this would be this would be nuts. Um, but anyway, moving past that part, if we look at uh, what they actually did say about the next new GPU, they basically talks about HBM, high bandwidth memory. This is stacked DRAM on the chip through silicon vias, through through silicon vias on a substrate in the same package as a GPU. Okay. So instead of, on top of the instead GPU. of having memory on a PCB mm-hmm. around your GPU, mm-hmm. that you have to have some you know, memory bus too, yep. the memory bus and memory are all on the same chip as the GPU. And this means you don't have to have as many connections going off the chip. Correct. Oh, no. Go to all no, that memory. No, no, about, it depends. You're still going to have a lot of connections on the substrate. Oh, there's a, yeah. Yes, yes, but not off of the package. Yeah, to not the board. off of the package to the rest of everything. But yes, but the the substrate becomes very complex, right? Because oh, I can you're, you're doing all the same routing. I, I assume, although maybe you have fewer um, memory chips uh, than you would otherwise. I don't really know because oh. you, you start to think about the topology of like how many memory modules, how many memory chips are on a Titan X with 12 gigs of memory or uh, a 980 with 4 gigs of memory? Was yeah, it like 8 at least? Probably the, tw- maybe 12? Depends on how much the, the per die. I don't know how dense you can get that because now you think about it, this, the, the GPU has to be here and this memory has to be there on this. On this. And then the heat sink goes on top of all that. Right. Well, and here's saving another space part of the that PCB as well. for memory. That's true. The, the interposer is silicon 2. Yes. So there's a, there's a physical cut limit. off a big chunk of silicon, etch it, do all the things that they have to do with chips, though obviously not as complex. But then they get to uh, try to put all those chips together on top of the substrate, the, the yeah, the tr- transposer, because that's going to be fragile as well. Yeah. And the rumors are 
it's pretty tough, and yields are not great at that point right. in the process. Does that, does that set a physical limit on if your interposer is made of silicon, you can only make a piece of sil- one chip so big, right? Like we always talk about the reticule and what the maximum size of it is. Reticle. Reticule. Not reticule. Whatever. Anyway. And uh, now you have to, on top of, like, so you have that space mm-hmm. that we have often theorized that, like, NVIDIA has gotten close like to. 25 millimeters right, or something, right? With, with some of their GPU designs. But now you're just having interposers. And now the GPU has to fit on top of that as well as memory, not just the GPU. So do you think, Josh, that constrains what they do on the GPU side in terms of physical space? Uh, no. No? Because silicon is cheap. And plus, we're not dealing with nanometers when you're talking about this piece of silicon it's it's going to be i mean it's we're talking hot dog down a hallway in terms of tolerances on the silicon i mean they could almost implant just on the interposer you mean yeah you could you could implant i'm just, just talking about know, like physical space like like millimeter squared the interposer can only be made so big oh right? as big as no, the... no it can be as big as a, a wafer if you want yeah we can stretch oh, it oh so it doesn't have to be built on on the same process is yeah because well no not at all because all you're looking at is okay you've got let's say you've got a thousand fifty uh your know, bga on the bottom of the gpu mm-hmm. well you've got now let's see you know perhaps 500 lines that go to memory and then x amount of lines go to data path and then power and ground when you're talking about a piece of silicon like that, you know, an extra, you know, 1,200 lines is nothing. No, no, no. I mean, I, 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 get, I understand you, that. I understand the, the routing you, on the interposer is not yeah, but an I, issue. I'm talking manufacturing. You don't have to have these sub-micron tolerances does for the interposer, this interposer. Does the size of the interposer limited by the reticule? Reticle. No. Okay, uh, because I don't think it's an you could essentially it's use not, it's not a made school that same projector. Way, okay, <laughs> you know one of those. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. So it's no. it's not manufactured in the same fashion. Overhead projectors. Correct. It is a totally different manufacturing. Okay. I mean, it might be closer to a PCB. Okay. All right. You're just routing lines. I mean, it's. Um, so then there is no physical space. They could still make the GPU as large as they wanted to make it. Otherwise. Okay. Well, within the limits of whatever that tolerances. Fit. Right, right, right. <laughs> Screw yeah. off, Josh. Uh, <laughs> so what's interesting about this is they didn't talk about specifics. They mentioned uh, three times the performance per watt compared to GDDR5 and 50% power savings versus GDDR5. Now, is, you do the math, right? Is that different uh, RAM they're using? HBM memory is slightly different than GDDR. Oh, okay. So we, we've already there's already been papers out and there's already been t- public discussion about what the first generation of HBM, cleverly named HBM one, um, can do, and it can do a gigabyte per second of bandwidth. I'm sorry, it can do. We're talking like a thousand gigabytes per second. Oh, okay. Hawaii. It's not necessarily faster in terms of clock speed. It is wider. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the memory bandwidth of a Hawaii GPU was 320, 320 gigabytes per second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're getting a terabyte per second, essentially, of potential memory. No, I think, I think with HBM1, it's, it's 500, about 512 gig. 
per second. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was a, a thousand, but it's a lot. Yeah, it's much more than what we have now. It's more, and you get power savings yeah. on it. It is is more power efficient than GDDR5. Do you think this will be enough to help AMD counter the kind of the drastic split in power efficiency that they've had with uh, GeForce GPUs in the last two generations? It will help, but we don't know what the actual GPU because you've got a couple of watts in memory. I mean, you're talking. Fucking maybe fifteen watts that is a like a GDDR5 solution has, and uh, you're maybe cutting that down by a couple of percent while still keeping performance way higher. Mm-hmm. I think your GPU is still going to be yeah the key to the entire energy savings department here. It it helps. Yeah, you're going to be have have much better performance per watt. Um, but you're still going to have much more performance, and so that, of course, negates some of the energy savings of the performance per watt. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I will say with HBM, I'm very excited. Like what you can do with that, you know, they say AMD talked about, hey, we can provide a better 4K gaming experience because of it. Sure. There are implicit benefits to having more memory bandwidth mm-hmm. to the GPU. That makes sense. I'll be curious to see what comes of that. Uh, they talk about. Uh, reducing the complexity of enthusiast class graphics. This to me means shorter PCBs, smaller PCBs, um, less maybe power delivery um, necess- uh, necessity on PCBs, right? You don't have to have mm-hmm. separate memory phases, uh, memory power phases, maybe, I guess. And they also, in relation to that, they talk about opportunities to extend uh, HBM across other AMD product portfolios. I don't think they're talking about HBM1. HBM2 will probably be the target of that. They talked about HBM allowing discrete GPUs to get into unique form factors that weren't otherwise available. Yeah. Think the MacBook Pro, or not not the MacBook Pro, the Mac Pro, the trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Now, you know, they built those PCB designs that had to have a GPU and memory separate. Now you don't have to design that anymore, mm-hmm. right? You design it where that one interposer, substrate, whatever, has its BGA array, and boom, you've got memory and GPU. And the idea is they can get into more form factors like that in more interesting spaces. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that'll be a benefit for them uh, you know, until NVIDIA catches up and does HBM, which they have said they will do in the second generation of HBM. Uh, I forget what GPU they said that was going to be, but what was it? Volta? Volta? I don't know. That's what Ken said out loud. Is, isn't this kind of a, a ready-made solution to uh, counter something like Knight's Corner? From Intel, you've got a uh, you got a Zen CPU with a bunch of GCN cores on it with HBM memory right there. Uh, yeah, I could see that being kind of the other markets that they wanted to address. I, I think back, you know, you think back to how APUs are limited today by memory bandwidth, right? An APU with some small amount of HBM memory, I think, would see a big performance improvement. Right, I mean, Huge. yeah. I mean, we're 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 working off system memory. We're not we're not even comparing GP, GDDR5 to HBM. We're comparing system memory to HBM. That's a huge difference. Um, and uh, you know, I think you could get away with you know half speed HBM saving on power and space, and still get a huge performance benefit there. So, um, speaking of AMD. Mm-hmm. And the potential of new GPUs being launched at upcoming Some industry events. Event. Mm-hmm. There was a rumor started last week that 
AMD is sponsoring the PC gaming show at E3, which is a totally brand new thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and this might be a place for a new GPU to be announced. And uh, they had <laughs> there was a hot chip symposium slated for August. So, by the way, E3 is uh, June 16th. Okay. So that gives you one. So let's see. Computex is June like second to the fifth, I think. Something something, something, like that. something around that range. E three is June sixteenth to the eighteenth or fourteenth to the sixteenth. It's in the middle of June. And then um the upcoming Hot Chips Symposium, as Sebastian wrote for us, slated for August 23rd to 25th, had a listing here called Fiji, the world's first graphics processor with 2.5D high bandwidth memory, um, which has since been pulled. Uh, now the schedule says AMD's next-generation GPU and memory architecture, <laughs> with all mention of Fiji and HBM removed, but uh, a little too late for that. Uh, there. So it gives you some ideas of what could, where AMD has played to kind so- of... Could probably happen there or earlier. It's got to be before that, right? If they're talking about the architecture, well, that there. could be the first place they talk about it, or they might have already released it. Doctor like Doctor Sue said a few weeks, said several weeks. Uh, yeah. So that gives you Computex, which is in like four weeks, yeah, and yeah. then E three, which is in like six weeks. Okay. So place your bets. We got the pool going. Place your bets. All money goes to me. All money goes to me. Uh, I have something out of order here, apparently, uh, Ken, compared to you. Or you missed uh, the HP reinvention story. You did. Oh, no. It's a subheading of that one we're currently on. That's true. Because it's talking about the same thing that we've Mm -hmm. just talked about. Oh. So it doesn't write the sidebar. I guess it doesn't rate, Jeremy. But tell me about HP reinventing the uh, AMD desktop GP line. So this leaked out a little bit earlier, huh? Just just a, a wee bit early after several other leaks that we've been hearing about. But uh, HP decided to launch uh, their brand new pavilions and kind of spilled the beans on a couple of the model numbers. Unfortunately, very little other than that. But we know that the all-in-ones, the pavilions, are going to be featuring R7A330s and A360s. So you can expect them to be <laughs> mid-range with the R7. Uh, one thing that interested me is that they're offering models with a Core i7 in there. So <laughs> they don't necessarily have to have tiny TDPs. That they, they, There might actually be a significant amount of heat being able to be moved from that. And then for what most people are interested in is the Envy, which offers an R9 380 as an alternative to the GTX 980. So wait, again, wait, 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 wait. If those specifications are right that we saw on AMD's page, the R9 380 is a 285 compared yeah. to a 980? That's the two models they're offering. Because it, <laughs> it, it's not like there's a, a 395X that we know of. Alrighty. Anyways, you know, maybe, because they don't... What's the price? There may be a higher end. We, we hope there's a higher end. What but yeah, the prices are the spe- basically the, the same. Specifications you know? make no sense whatsoever no. on the AMD page as compared to what we're one expecting and two. They do what HP's offering. They do make sense. It does make sense. It, I mean, it oh. makes sense. It's just not what you wanted to see. Oh, yeah. right? You didn't want the, the R9 380 to be an R9 285. Yes. Right. And I think I think if, if what if what I believe happens is they're going to go to 400 series, then whatever happens in the threes is fine. Like it's just it's just branding at that point 
So we got to hope for good pricing. We, that's about all we've got to really like hope for is some really sweet pricing. Display there, but oh, the Spectre. Yeah, that's a 32-inch 4K monitor. All right, I'm in. Is that yeah. the speakers built into the sides? Unfortunately, but. <laughs> Some people do like that. And though they don't mention it, it's got a 178-degree viewing angle, so it's probably IPS. Yeah. Oh my God. They better be good speakers if they're going to take up that much space on a monitor. Oh, please, yes. I mean, built-in speakers on monitors are known for their high-end and ability to properly oh, yes. reproduce tone. I, I yes. hear that's all Sebastian uses. Yeah, it's true. All yeah. Sebastian uses is monitor see the size of the monitor yes. that Off of his on. turntable. <laughs> Yeah, there, it's, it's a there. USB turntable. Yeah, that and one is. Did he know the one that Sebastian uses? Oh, is that he? Oh, has? for sure. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, he only wants the best quality, so you yeah, would get it's digital. It's actually a handcrafted like, you, digital USB. Digital is the best, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Digital audio is better than everything analog. Of course. And he does some really good scratches on a lot of his vinyl, especially that, that well. especially that turntable that has a speaker that you can't disable. Does it really? <laughs> and the speaker's yeah. built into the chassis of the turntable, therefore. Adding like noise to the that pickup. has a speaker in it. Yeah, yeah, it's the world's tiniest speaker. <laughs> when did you guys turn that on? We turned it on like a couple of years ago when you brought it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't remember there being a speaker, and I remember having to hook it up to something. There's speaker to. holes at the bottom, so it's like I don't know. I maybe don't know. maybe that's for ventilation for all the processing because it's such the heavy duty. The DAC, <laughs> the DAC in there is, yeah. is, is doing a lot it's of got work. Vacuum tubes. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Audio fall. Uh, so, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so uh, this turned out to be a shitstorm of a story. Uh, the ASUS MG279Q, the darlingest monitor that we've ever discussed, Is way back name? from CES. Okay, yeah. This was the ASUS monitor that they showed very limitedly at CES as a uh, IPS, but not IPS branded, 120 hertz display. That supported adaptive sync, D- DP 1.2a plus. Remember, this is the monitor we went back and forth well, on between AMD. They did not say free sync. It was not a free sync monitor. It was not a G sync monitor. Right. We went back to AMD. And said, well, they uh, ASUS says it supports uh, DP 1.2a plus uh, optional specs uh-huh. or optional spec. Will you support it when it comes out? And they yep. said, we will not blacklist any monitors. So if they say it meets the specification, then it will operate as best as it can. Yeah. So they kind of connected the dots and yeah. said, look, it should work. And then, um, uh, let's see, when was the... When they, the it was a couple of weeks ago, I'll just say, AMD Twitter account posted this picture, which announced the MG279Q as a FreeSync monitor. You can see it's got the FreeSync logo right there. Yep. It says IPS technology and 144 hertz gaming monitor. Uh-huh. 25 by 14, 178 degree wide angle uh, viewing. That's apparently a very common IPS so viewing angle. 144 journey. is higher than 120. It is. Um, and it has the FreeSync logo there. So, like, the first thing we thought was, okay, that's it's interesting. It's not 120 hertz monitor anymore. Now it's 144. Maybe okay. they did some validation and they did some other stuff. Sure. Um, but as it turns out, if you go to the Asus.com website and there's an FAQ posted about this monitor, um, they mentioned that when you enable FreeSync on the MG279, OSD in the menus, essentially, uh, the PC's refresh rate timing between 35 and 90 hertz will be in VRR mode. So, in other words, it drops the max to 90. So it's not 144 anymore. Actually, I'm not sure if that's what it does. Oh. It, it could go, it could be the first monitor we've seen where it has a refresh rate that goes higher than its maximum VSync. Yeah. Or, yeah I'm yeah. sorry, its maximum FreeSync rating. Right, right. 
I don't really know that, to be honest. Uh, but I would assume what it would do is probably cap it there. But I yeah. can see it. I can see otherwise, it going otherwise, it would then either be like VSync on or off. Right. So I mean, we. It's- and it's possible yeah. it may do that, right? So we know that uh, with FreeSync, when you go below the variable refresh window or above the variable refresh window, AMD gives you the choice of do you want to have VSync on or VSync off. Yep. Those are your options, right? So it's interesting that the that suddenly what was advertised as 120 hertz variable refresh and mm-hmm. then advertised as 144 hertz monitor, although you know to be fair in that little marketing ad, they don't say they don't say it's variable refresh yeah. up to 144. It is still capable of 144. Just not with Yes, so I, I can tell you that... And besides, it, somewhere between 90, 120, and 144 is a variable refresh rate. <laughs> That's true. It's variable it's in the, the fact that there's a bunch of numbers that they're throwing at you. In the I, I, after talking with Asus about it, I can say that if you disable FreeSync, yeah. this monitor will go to 144 yeah. as an IPS panel. Which is good. Which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. Something is limiting it to 35 to 90 when it's in a free sync mode. Now, first things, the 35 hertz lower limit mm-hmm. is the best lower limit we've seen with the free sync. That's true. So if that turns out to be the case, that's, that's good. A, that's, that's a fantastic move in the right direction. They're mm-hmm. pushing the minimum variable refresh window down. Yep, yep. Um, right. So we, we're, know, we're, we're, we know what G-Sync does we're when all it gets still, to low frame We're all rate. still kind of baffled as to why... There's the 90 limit, though. I don't understand the 90 limit. I really don't. You know. I, I will say that kind of in my investigations, yeah. I have reason to believe that what is, what is happening is the display controller that you select as a manufacturer as a manufacturer will somehow define what your variable refresh <coughs> window is yeah. using adaptive sync. So there's some guys making some chips, and you got one chip that goes this range to this range and this other chip might have a different number right maybe this one goes 35 to 90 yeah the other one goes uh 45 to 110 and one goes 80 to 144 or something like that right i i don't really know it seems weird it seems odd because like we again people love it when i say this but i know how g-sync behaves (laughs) i know that we have 144 hertz I know that we have 144 hertz IPS G-Sync panel. We do. That goes all the way up to 144 in variable refresh. Yep. And it goes all the way down to one or zero. Yeah. Right? With its the, the stuff we've already talked about for way too long of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this one can't do it. And uh, people in the comments of the story hated the fact that I put any kind of blame on this at, at AMD's feet. Um, okay. And... They're entitled to that opinion. They're saying that it's uh, that it's a vendor issue, not an AMD issue. And I say, is every vendor issue? Well, my issue is AMD put their FreeSync logo on it. There's mm-hmm. a validation program. AMD has implored to me that there is a validation program for FreeSync monitors. Yep, quality control. So, which wh- is basically what that is. I mean, it's you're validating something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're putting our stamp on it. So, we want it to look X good. Sure. Right. Now they 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 might be on the, what is likely the case is that they are being constrained by the controllers that are out there. They don't make a display controller. AMD does not. That's true. So there are display controllers out there that have implemented adaptive sync capability to some degree. Yeah. And AMD is pushing the FreeSync program, so they have to be able to stamp some of them. Well, that's true. Right with their logo. Oh, so you're saying maybe there's that like that's as good. It's as... kind of what they have to do. That's, this is that's as good that as like, exists. That's all the choices they have. Right. If so... that's if that's as good as it exists today, we have to put okay. a stamp on it. And and the problem is, 
it, it doesn't live up to the same quality that the G-Sync standard it, that's is also today. True. And, and when you compare that with their previous statements before FreeSync came out about that this is going to be the same or better. It's or, kind of coming to bite them know. in the ass because of all their marketing material about FreeSync will go from 9 hertz to 240 hertz. Yeah. And so when we saw all that, we thought, fantastic. Yeah. Like FreeSync will cover this amazing range. But it was really like they should have, they should have tempered our expectations to a degree where we would not have expected that. When we first right. got our first monitor and uh, it was a 48 to 75 range <laughs> – Right, we're like, whoa, that's not a that's very, not seven to two forty at all. And I re- this monitor can't go up yeah. to seventy, can't go above seventy five. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But what about the under forty eight? Right, and that whole debate we had and the whole investigation we had about why that was the case. So Josh, let me go ahead. let me posit this. Please do. <clears throat> okay, so you're AMD. You have a product that you have a specification for, but you're still waiting for the guys who are building the controllers. <clears throat> You forward the specification, say, hey, what can we do to the market to get this in there? And these guys who make the little chips in the, in, the, in the monitors say, well, you know what? We can do this to this regularly, but because of the overhead and things that you're doing, we can't do that. But we can modify our chips and have them out rather quickly, but you're going to be limited in, in terms of... of the hertz. That Do you think reasonable. that is potentially the issue that they 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 so wanted to get to time to market that they were held back by the limitations of the designs in progress mm-hmm. that control these LCDs? I think I think that's probably Could correct, be. right? It, I mean, it, we don't know for sure, but I'm like that's a that's it's, it seems plausible that would yeah. be the reason the reasoning for this, but. So would you rather have product out that, that is branded and actually works in FreeSync even though it degrades the potential performance of that chip in a non-FreeSync environment? I would say yes, except that AMD should have done a better job of tempering an expectation because now what it does is, is it degrades the FreeSync brand. So are you saying that this is kind of like NVIDIA with their GTX 970 and the 3.5 gigs of memory? They did not fully explain the situation. It's close. Sure. I'd say, I'd say there's, there's, there's connections there, right? They didn't fully explain what the technology would do until people got it, right? And, and keep in mind, like, there's other little things like... You probably had engineering guys in AMD that knew that this was going to be sure, the reality. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah, and then you had the PR guys that were saying we got to sell a product, doing their PR thing. To no, sell no, product, I know. Right? I guess same kind of argument to the the three and a half. I, I, I thing, just right? think AMD needs to be more kind of forthcoming with that. Take another quick example would be um, when myself and Scott at Tech Report were talking. You know, we had kind of contrary articles about stuff yeah, yeah, where yeah. he had a story where it said, you know, actually when you go below the minimum refresh rate of a FreeSync monitor, it actually goes back up to the maximum refresh rate and that's how fast Which it displays. It doesn't. Well, <clears throat> it might on one particular monitor, but it's not a, that's not a FreeSync trait. Yeah. And the way that it was presented to Scott was like, this is how FreeSync monitors behave. And when I inquired more, they was like, well, that's how one FreeSync monitor behaves, but that's, yeah. we have one of many ways of dealing with it. And when I specifically asked, well, how can I tell how this monitor will behave before I buy it, yeah. they don't really have an answer to that. And that's just one of the things that I think they need to be more upfront about. I know that it sucks to have to say, we don't 
have that thing that that other guy does yet, but here's what we have today. I think that I think in that, that specific article, I think that statement from the like the AMD guy, I forget who it was, but I think what statement that guy was really talking about was that when it draws, it's drawing at it's drawing spe- speed, but it's still waiting. The drawing speed is yeah. happening at the high rate. Which sure. Is, which is the same for pretty much all of these. Like everything we've, we've But it's not refreshing at. as frequently. Correct. At 140. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't suddenly start refreshing that many times per second, you know, faster and stuff. All right, I'm going to check my watch here. Okay, it's time to start, stop talking about FreeSync. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we've met our quota. Unless anybody has one of like a specific other point that they feel like they need to get out. We're going to have to start investigating scalar companies, I think, is the long and short of it. There are, are a, they are a several secretive bunch yeah. that has little to zero uh, like media interaction capability. You've got to tear your monitor apart to find out what it is. Or desire. Or desire. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and the monitor manufacturers are so closed and secretive about what they're using – they really don't want to talk about it either. The so. only way to really know, we had to, we'd have to we open all these panels and just tear yep. them all down. Yeah, and it may which, come to that, which we have done. We did that to that laptop, for That's example. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, it, well, not for me. Let's move on. Um, we're at Windows 10, which is purple. 10.074 released. I don't. Is there anything interesting about this other than a who you, who uses Windows 10? Alan, you use Windows 10. Uh, I'm not using it right now. Oh, I have it in a VM. Gave up on you were you were kind of tinkering on a daily. I had basis on my I had on my home machine and it did did funny things with uh, SLI with the DirectX 12 driver. Yeah, it just blew up, so I reverted it back. Jeremy, do you know of anything specific in this kind of latest Windows 10 release? Uh, they released the same one to the fast and the slow. Uh, it's apparently another nice incremental fix of a couple of bugs, a couple of the long-standing ones still exist, and for some damn reason you can't play most games in full screen. So figure that one out. That sounds like a reason to install it right away. Oh yeah. Apparently they fixed uh, a bug where certain applications that play audio when they are minimized, they would not play audio anymore. So if you had like a media player that you minimized it, it muted it. I didn't run into that. That sounds like a bug that you should fix. That was a relatively new bug, I think. Yeah. I, I will say that our we have one machine that's nailed to a wall uh, that runs Windows 10. It sounds Literally funny when you say that, but it's nailed, nailed to a wall. Um, that has been getting these updates, and, and, and I started up. It's, I don't really do much okay. on it, but you, I noticed improvements. Yeah, like just in how it starts up, what the user interface is like. Um, yeah, I, it's. I I, don't, I I know Patrick Norton. Put it on like his he primary is so machine. Die hard on that thing, and he's regretted it several times. Yeah, and so I can't make myself do it. He's been happy about it lately. I'm not though. Do it. I'm not gonna. I can't do it yet. If we're oh, wait, if we're says they fixed the full screen thing again. Oh, they did. Okay. It, I, I would say if we're as close to it as I think we are with like a July official release. Yeah. Then I'm just gonna wait. I I do like how what this. I'm sure that this fast and slow thing, even though it's not gonna be called fast and slow, obviously after it's like retail mm-hmm. right but do you think that'll continue i think that just that method like whether not the fast or slow but just the fact that they can do i mean they're doing like very large scale updates to the os on the fly just rolling it out as a patch right yeah i, mean, I do hate rebooting my machine though well true but i mean each one of these things that they've <laughs> been doing saying. is like service and yet pack you don't level. run linux right like if you think of a service pack in the past yeah each one of these that they're doing is like a service pack 
You think they're that big? It's like big OS changes. Yeah, it's pretty pretty you large think? changes, right? Um, yeah. You know, and they're doing this, and the, like I like that. What if they're very very basic OS changes that are very small but have a huge effect? No, they've been very large downloads. Like oh, a lot well, of these never have been that. like you know close to a gig download well, and stuff like that. Like um, one of them was they enabled uh, Cortana. That's going to be a huge update, for example. Okay, but, but like I like that they're in this mode. So that you're not going to have to, like, wait in the future, I hope. <laughs> like, it used to be, you know, it's been longer and longer periods of time between service packs. Yep. Right? And this probably isn't going to be called a service pack anymore. No. Nope. It's just going to be, like, an update. But it's going to be, like, not some little update that pertains to one knowledge base issue thing. It's going to be, sure, like, sure, sure. here's this update where we just, like, included these few, you know, new features. Or Fair enough. Right? Mm. Yeah. Well, no, that's been deprecated. Uh, with this one, they're just going to be pushing them out constantly. Yeah. There, the, there was a story earlier this week about the uh, death of Patch th- Tuesday, yeah. and that uh, oh. very strangely they were making fun of Sam's or of Android, saying, "Oh, well, it takes you guys forever to push out patches and upgrades to your <laughs> OS, so we're just going to do it all the time over peer to peer." It's oh. okay. Um, good. I would, I would imagine here. I would imagine going to be for... backpacking on my uh, update. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> World of Warcraft updates. Yeah. I would imagine there will still be a method like in the enterprise to kind of yes put a halt. Windows to that update for business is like, significantly going to be better. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeremy, what do you know about this new GeForce uh, bundle we got going on here? Actually, it looks it looks pretty compelling. I will say. Yeah, uh, and hopefully it means that AMD will be doing an update to their package soon as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to pick up uh, a new uh, GTX 980 or 970. You get both uh, The Witcher Batman Edition and Arkham Wild Hunt. Wait, The Witcher Batman Edition? Yeah, and Arkham Wild Hunt. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so, hey, I, I'm excited about Witcher 3. Yeah, I am too. The uh, first one, the second one was pretty good. I honestly haven't played a Batman game yet, but I'm more of a Marvel kind of guy. But uh, there's a lot of people looking forward to Arkham Knight and mm-hmm. two free games that come with a video card is brilliant. How much is if a 970? If you pick up a 960 or a mobile, you get Witcher 3. How much 3. right now? I mean, they were like... 319. 319. Okay. Get $100 worth of games. At least. And these are like... I, what I like about this bundle is like, these aren't games that are out yet, so you haven't already yeah. bought these. You may have pre-ordered them because you're a sucker, but you haven't already bought these, so it's like you're kind of... You're not like, well, I've already got that, and I've got to re-choose that, and you know, going through older games and stuff. So, and and I, I the fact that you can buy a 960 and get The Witcher three is pretty pretty nice yeah. too. Well, and, and what's I think is pretty new to this package is if you buy a laptop with a 980M or a 970M, you get The Witcher. Usually, the laptops don't come bundled with a game. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I like to get both games if I'm just asking for things, right? Well. Like uh, I like that. free things, like, like free Intel things. SSDs. Yeah, well, you can't wear yeah. any, so get over that. The oh. visuals, have you watched any of the previews of The Witcher 3? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It looks amazing. It really does. We were supposed to have an interview with one of their main developer guys, but he got busy trying to, like, I don't know, finish a game or something. Uh, ah, God forbid. On. I'm going to try to get a handful of keys to give out uh, on launch time for us. too. So, no, probably not. Bastard. Sorry about that. But hey, you if you buy a 970 a or a 980, you can get your own, Jeremy. Mm. You can get your own. Josh, tell me about this um, uh, motherboard. 
Well, it's not Scottish, so it's crap. <laughs> I haven't pulled that one out in a while. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, which, so, which motherboards are Scottish? Um, very few. A bit. I, <laughs> they may have run on an Opti chipset back in the mm, '80s, but yeah. that's that's pretty much about the extent of it. So, um, yeah, MSI—they're releasing probably what looks to be. One of the last of the new 990FX-based motherboards. Now, of course, the 990FX was derived from and essentially is the same silicon as the 890FX. Mm-hmm. And the SB9, 950 is, is identical to the SB850 that was released back in... 2012? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. 2009? I, it's, it's, yeah, it was like 2010 or 11. Okay. But, yeah. No, it was, it was yeah, uh, 990 was AM3+, plus, which was bulldozer. So, pre-bulldozer even. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a little long in the tooth. It still runs pretty well. It's got six SATA 6G ports. Mm-hmm. It's USB 2.0, but... The special thing about this, of course, is USB 3.1 support. So they use the Asmedia chip for that. Uh, you've got two ports on the uh, the back plate. You've got a via USB 3.0 chip that is supporting the front panel USB. Hmm. But it's a new design. It looks like it's got a ro- rather robust uh, power supply to it, or, or the VRMs are nice. It has the uh, killer Ethernet. There's people who love and hate that equally so and they've got the the better audio on there the better audio design that uses the sound blaster cinema 2 software suite to have nice sounds coming out of this we have no idea how much it's going to cost we just know that uh, msi released it today they have uh, uh the website and their global site uh, showing it off and it's a good looking board and it's it's it looks like it's going to be kind of the last of the breed. It's it's got a 64 megabit uh, UEFI, you know, a firmware based on there, and it's NVMe boot compliant. So when you boot that <clears throat> Intel card on there, it's going to show it as it is rather than a a PATA device. Oh, it'll also go at PCIe 2.0. Yeah, you're stuck at PCI. But, you know, Why not? still fast. But it, it doesn't is have an off-cable quick. drive, so you should like it, Ryan. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, MSI, they're, they're still catering to the AMD crowd, and especially the yeah. FX processor. So this, this might be the last big, final, finest AM3 Plus board out there, because as we knew from the AMD conference... <laughs> AM4 is going to be 2016. AM4, finally, longest upgrade cycle ever. Ever. Uh, what about the consumer Oculus Rift? Jeremy, are you ready to buy one yet? Oh, yeah, because you won't ship me one of the ones you have. I only have one. It's, it's, what is it? We have one DK2. You, oh, mm. I thought you had a one as well. I do, but you don't want the one. True. You I, don't want the one. You know, I... I don't need to lose weight through vomiting that badly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it was a bit of a leak from numerous sites. So Oculus decided to go ahead and say, yep, you know what? 
the consumer edition will be coming out uh, in quarter one of 2016. If you're one of those strange people who likes encouraging pre-ordering, you should be able to pre-order before the end of the year. Uh, the two screenshots that they sent look very much like the Crescent Bay model uh, that we've been seeing. Yep. They, they won't give us a price, but, uh, I mean, the DK2 came out at about $350, so that gives you a lower end. I think they said publicly it would be, quote, a little bit more than the Samsung Gear VR, which is 299 so, so three fifty, three fifty or three ninety nine, somewhere around that. Yeah, three ninety nine. Probably going to be a bare bones <laughs> kit because there are probably going to be bundles that you can buy with this, with various inputs, and the nose input that makes you less nauseous. Mm, no, probably not. No, no. Oh, right. I don't know. I, it looks very similar to that. I'm excited for it to have a retail release. I'm excited for games to come out to support it in an official capacity. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it to not make me throw up. I'm excited for all of these things to happen. Whether or not they will, I don't know. Um, so we'll see. And for the price of a decent monitor, that's not so bad. I know. You know as 50 a, bucks is a decent-sized monitor. As an original Kickstarter, do I get some kind of... Yeah. Maybe they'll put yeah, it on a Kickstarter again, like the Pebble Maybe two. they'll kickstart it, yeah. I would like to just... If Facebook runs a Kickstarter campaign, I will probably <laughs> be angry about it. I, I just want one of those plus that thing you stand in and run around because I really need to get into good shape. And playing Battlefield 4 and Skyrim and some of those things and that. that sounds like a lot of work. Running. Man. Dude, as long as I'm having fun. That's what, I one have of the to go things. back and look at my review, but it wasn't that expensive. Of what? You, you, uh, you sorry, my news post. I was going to say, uh, wait, what he's talking about? The. The dangly. Yeah, they, they weren't. They in. weren't super expensive. We're like you're kind of standing inside this circle. That's uh, yeah, with really. You got to wear golf shoes. Really slippery shoes on. Yeah. Um, I will say I heard some people talking about the Hololens stuff from this week, and how mm-hmm. much, like how much better AR was going to be than VR because you know you're interacting in the world. And I kept thinking like, for a gaming purpose, AR is worthless. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. How? Because if I'm if I'm gonna play Battlefield or The Witcher or Skyrim, like I don't have an infinitesimal amount of space to go walk around in to be inside that world. Like you play a video game to go to like transport into a world that you could not otherwise be in. Right. If I was gonna play See, with AR you just you just project it on a screen the size of your wall that you don't have to physically own. But, you, but that's like VR. Like, if you're just projecting a screen onto a wall, then just put the screen here in front of your face. The, then you're not able to interact with the outside world. Who cares about the outside world? You're playing a video game. <laughs> Someone sneaks up behind you and scares the living. And this crap is why which Watch Dogs sold so well. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> just think, Watch Dogs Two. It's AR. You can use your actual cell phone as the interface for the game. I, I just yeah, like I, I think it was I think it was Leo summit on 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 Twitter about how like Minecraft with the Hololens was this great idea. It's like yeah, if I wanted to build only in a size the shape of my room, Minecraft AR would be amazing. Otherwise, I don't I don't really get the point of it. I get the point of AR for a lot of other things, but not really for gaming. If yeah. we're gonna play a board game, perfect. We wanna play. Uh, I don't know what else. Like, I don't... Maybe I sit in a car and I pretend to drive and, and the AR overrides where the windshield is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Euro uh, drives, driver, or Rig Simulator just came out. Truck, so truck Simulator? Rig Simulator. You pretend to drive a rig in your car. 
<laughs> that would be awesome, right? No. Uh, let's move on to our this picks. This Corvette makes wide right turns. <laughs> uh, picks of the week. Let's get into that junk, if you will. Uh, I'm going to pick this little tiny, what do we call this? Gum SSD. size, like stick. M.2. The gum stick shape. M.2. Yeah, I know what, what it's actually called. NGFF. 2280. Are you calling me names? Okay. So this is a this is an Samsung SM951 SSD. Be more specific. The NVMe variant thereof. There you go. Because you can find the SM951 AHCI, which is essentially a SATA drive. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the M.2 NVMe Wait. version. No, it's not a SATA drive. They're both PCIe. Correct. Come on, sorry. Get it together. The AA, but it's using the SATA style protocol. The old style protocol, yeah. yes. It's PCIe. You're probably talking about what? A gigabyte per second? Actually, the, uh, the HCI one, for some reason, is rated like faster on the rights. On the rights? Than that one is. It doesn't make much sense. I think they were just tuned that one, that specific one, a little bit differently. Just yeah. for, you know, lower power use. On this one, we saw... Uh, even hooking it up to something like this. So this is this is the Broadwell Nook yeah. that, with a BIOS update, supports NVMe drives now. Which is great. Um, not Now, the Intel 750 series SSDs <laughs> you can't fit. do not fit in yeah, here. Yeah, you can't fit those. And even the other one. There's significantly higher power consumption than this. That's true. Uh, but this will run at 2.2 gigabytes per second read speed and uh-huh. 1.2 gigabytes per second write speeds. Yep. In this little tiny, yep. little tiny thing, that and it'll do it like fits old, inside that. It'll it's easily actually do, goes inside. It doesn't just sit on top. <laughs> it'll easily do like over hundred thousand IOPS and stuff like that. It's really wow. That's that's like an old time um, sim. What? Yeah, you know yeah. the old sims. It's about the same size. Yeah. Four dims. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. yeah. Ken goes huh? <laughs> with the pins. With the pins. What, on the what's other side, an EDO yeah. sim? What? Uh. I will say that the problem with this is you can't find it. Yes, yeah, that's true. If you go to Amazon and you go to Newegg, you can find the AHCI PCI Express mm-hmm. M.2 SM951 drive, but yep. you cannot find the NVMe variant. Yep. Um, I think we saw it for sale one place. Where was that at, Ken? It was like... Some sketchy place. It was some really weird reseller that we'd never ever used before yeah. and would probably not recommend I mean, using it. The AHCI one is, is not this, a slouch. Don't but get this, me wrong. Is this shipping in any drives yet like any, any systems there's that enterprise hp thing that it's oh, supposed to ship in yeah mm-hmm. it's like a it's in an interposer card with that in it it's yeah like for okay enterprise like just, a video editing acceleration and stuff like that but. we got ours from intel of all people um sending it with a core i7 broadwell nook Right, they wanted to kind of demonstrate that hey, this tiny platform can go super fast. I mean, and that's the only thing that's M.2 that does NVMe right now. Right, it's the only it's the only thing that's available. If you're curious about the performance of it, Alan did uh, post a review that includes both the XP941 PCIe, right, uh-huh. which is PCIe 2.0 by four, uh-huh. the SM951 AHCI, which is PCIe 3.0 by four as well as the SM951 NVMe, which is PCI 3.0 by 4. And uh, what what one, let's see, let's go to... Random. Random? Yep. Okay. We can we'll show one... Look at diameter. Look at one benchmark here. What, the first one? Sure. File server. So this is... Um, wait, wait. We'll keep going. Go, yeah, on, here we go, go to another Web one. Web server. 
Yeah, that's... Hilarious. So the purple line is the PCI Express add-in card, SSD 750, the, the full consumer, the one you can win in our amazing contest. Yes. Uh, the white line right underneath it, not far behind, is that Samsung SM951 PCIe NVMe yep. drive. Which, which does that consuming half the power. Right. Which is interesting. Considerable, right. Considerably less power. Yep. But then, if you go all the way down to PCIe AHCI, you get this red line yeah, right that's here. kind of, you know, not as good. Not as good. Right. Still okay. It's all right. It's better than a lot of other SSDs out there. It's actually, if you look at the the slope is kind of significant early on. Right. Right. Um, you know, and all the way up to Q-depth of 8, yep. which is kind of reasonable for just consumer workloads. They're oh, yeah. Typically not going to go much higher than 8. Uh, it still is, you know, a lot higher than everything else, even though it's not NVMe. Right. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I I will say. Let's see. I'll do. Well, I think you probably linked to where that one place where it kind of showed up for sale. Maybe. I don't no. think I did. Because it pricing wasn't. and availability. Good luck. That that's yeah. your that was that's your professional opinion on pricing and availability much, is good luck because I didn't have any luck. <laughs> we still can today. You looked for it. Couldn't find it. Unbelievable. Uh, so like there you, you go. That's that's my pick of the week. And according to Alan. Good luck finding it. Good luck. So there you go. Jeremy? Uh, Goatsy. Here, let me stand up. Uh, and try to whoa. Uh, okay, let's pronounce that again. Goatsy. <laughs> okay. It is oh. the yet another add-on to the small, broken, and stupid game from Coffee Stain Studios. we got to get this. That brought you Goat Simulator and Goat MMO Simulator. They now bring you the most overused trope in gaming history ever, <laughs> the zombie survival game. Of course, you're a goat with guns <laughs> and incredible things strapped to you. Oh, that looks It's also hilarious. the only one I know of that features elephants. It features Poorly crafting, scripted. Poor scripting. More bugs than your average simulator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, uh, this is fun. It's $10. You guys have a great sense of humor. <laughs> and the best part is that the but original... Launch trailer for this was a, a, an homage to Dead Island, <laughs> so they've sort of gone full circle. <laughs> See elephants! Wow, we even have crafting. Look, <laughs> <laughs> if you have not spent oh, the ten man. bucks on this, you have to spend it. It's all. I will say, if you have like an Android tablet, uh, Goat Simulator is available on that, and it plays pretty well. And it kind of gets the point across of what it of what needs to be put across for uh, a game called Goat Simulator. It's actually really fun. Those guys are this is like a physics simulator that they never planned on releasing. Never wanted. They just said, you know, this is a physics demo, and people are like, no, you have to sell this. And they're like, no, this is stupid. Like, no, you have to sell this. Here's my money. All right, ten bucks, we'll sell it, but we're never going to update it. Well, that was a lie, wasn't it? Well. Hey, you gotta keep making money, as it turns out. Uh, Josh, me, you. They forgot your pick. Next. Oh yeah, yeah. This is good to go, or good to GOG. So, <sighs> let's say you you bought all these games from good old games, and you want an easy and nice way to put them all together without DRM. So if your internet connection is down, you can use this Steam kind of like client where you can keep things updated and stored and 
in a nice, easy manner to access. And there you have it. And kind of looks like Origin. And it even not, gives you an option to, like, en masse download everything that you had purchased. Yeah, supposedly. So specifically to have it offline and yeah. not have to worry about, like, even yeah, if there's a lot of these, uh, a lot of these things are not real big, period. Yeah. Oh, hey, I just downloaded a game. It's a full game. It's 70 megs. <laughs> or even better, some of the older ones, it's like, oh, that's 12 megs for 60 hours of playtime. You can call play if you want. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, if you want. It's pixelated play. <laughs> Extremely. Cool. I, I don't feel like I want to have another thing installed. You like time. having you play and Origin and I do. Steam. Why and create God Galaxy? Yeah, I don't. But these guys aren't nearly as. Uh, I know. I know. They're invasive. I know. They're probably the best of the options available. But it's actually a 16-bit interface. <laughs> it, it runs on wow 16 yes nice <laughs> all right alan what's your pick so we might have talked about this a very long time ago but i had to use it the other day uh and it's pretty cool the thing called synergy you know what synergy is do you i no? know the crappy buzzword that all corporations use called synergy no this is an actual like program i see it i'm looking at it okay so the idea is uh Say you have two systems, but each system has its own monitor, right? Mm-hmm. And they're both sitting, like, on the same desk or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily want to, like, have a KVM because each system has its own monitor, right? KVM would switch the display as well as the keyboard and the mouse, right? So you need a KM. You just want to be able to take the mouse and kind of, like, move over to the other screen as if it was a second display to the computer you're sitting at. Sure. But instead, like, once it crosses the threshold of that screen, basically communicate over the network. And yeah, those, but that's impossible. And those mouse movements and keyboard presses no, no, will then just go to the other computer. Can't be done. As if it was magic. No, it can't be done. And it, that totally does it. No. Nope. I think you just blew his mind. It does. And it'll do it, like, I think it will go, I think it can handle, like, Look a, at my mouse cursor. Easily go between I, all of these monitors. <laughs> <laughs> I think Katie it can handle Windows to iOS and back. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there is a limit to what it can do, but uh, in their interface, like when you're doing the configuration, it looks like it's like five across by three down. Has I the think? configuration gotten any better in like the last five years? We tried to use this for something so maybe a, a long time ago. I remember it being it looks, painful for a so long there's, time. So there's there's kind of like a wizard-ish kind of thing it goes through when you first run it after you've set up, right? And then there's the old school configuration thing, which is kind of painful. Like, yeah. if you wanted to go into that after or whatever to tweak it more. Okay, at least I have a wizard now. That's cool. But the, it was basically, like, I just fired it up. It's like, I see, you know, you, you put it on, like, the guest machines first. Yeah. Right? I, well, ideally, that would be, like, the easiest way to do it. And then when you put it on the actual host, like, your How main machine. How do I put machine, it on there if I don't have a keyboard? When you put it, well, you would before, like, you've, or you VNC into it. That's what I did. Like, it, you have to at least have something there initially. No, you right? don't. Wait till next week. Anyway, so you, you get it on all the other systems, and then you put it on your main one, and your main one basically get lists what it sees out there on mm-hmm. your network as the other machines, and it's like, okay, where is this one? Does like, some mouse sniffing? to the sniffing? left, to the right. Does it what? Does some mouse sniffing. Mouse sniffing? Yeah, it's looking for... No, it looks for ports. the other clients that are on the other machines. Anyway, 
And then it, it really is just seamless. It's like once it's up and running, you just like you drag the mouse to the edge of the screen and it just like keeps going on the next screen. And your keyboard works on that one while the mouse is there. So that's pretty darn seamless. Oh, that sounds cool. And, it, yeah. and once you say it, like, it just makes sense. It does. Once you have the software I mean, installed, you, you can see software, how it does it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do charge for it now. Oh. It used to be open source. It is still open source. What? And so they charge for I it. Can I just compile it? So you could kind of just compile it. <laughs> $10 lifetime access. It's $10. Okay. Or if you donated in the past. $29 they just, If you donated pro. even like a buck or whatever in the past, like to their thing, then you, they just mm. they give you an account or whatever. Mm. Or you might accidentally find the nightly builds Purchase page vac. on the internet and just download it. Purchase vac. Why did you start charging? We need funding to develop we software. We need money. And only zero point zero 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 only zero zero two percent of people were donating. Well, it's all Ken's fault because he didn't donate. That's why they're I, charging. Everybody. It's worth yep. ten bucks. Yeah. If you if you have a need for it, it's if, worth. 10 if bucks. you have systems with monitors, no keyboards, you only want to control them from one location. Yeah, you just want to be able to control yeah. them just from your main keyboard mouse. You could do that to like your TV and your laptop. You could. It's so like you have, you're using your laptop and you drag it over to the TV. Yeah. With your touchpad. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that would that would work just fine. It would. Yeah. Thinking about it. Thinking as long as your TV had a computer connected to it. Oh, right. Yeah. That's like a home theater that, PC. That's a crucial part of it. Yeah. yeah. But if it's a home theater PC, totally would do that. Yeah. All right, everyone. That is going to round up and end complete the show for today. This is our 348th episode. Thank you, everybody, who joined us, whether or not you watched or listened after the fact, or you joined us at PCPro.com slash live. We record the show on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, don't forget to go to PCPro.com slash subscribe so you can uh, fill out your name, email address, get on our mailing list, and we'll let you know whenever we do other live streaming events. It's not always podcasts. Um, I know for a fact at least one more streaming event will happen in May. Uh, Logitech's going to come out. They're going to talk about some of their stuff, give away a ton of prizes at that event. And also, don't forget, we have those two contests running if you were uh, absent if you were an absentee at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we have two contests for you to fill out, fill out to win an Asus GeForce GTX 980 20th anniversary celebration card, one of only 200 in North America that we're giving away, as well as uh, a pair of Intel SSD 750 series 400 gig drives that you can uh, win as well. Just go to PCPer.com, scroll down, you'll see both of those contests are still up there on the uh, on the first page. So. Enter into those. Keep in mind you can enter every day for some of them uh, or for some of the entry methods. So uh, keep checking back. And thanks to Asus and Intel for their support on that stuff. Uh, Unless anybody else has something riveting they need to discuss now, we're going to go the hell home. I'm Ryan Schramm. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malbantano. He is a robot. (laughs) It is... Yeah.